Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Brown Girl White Coat. I have totally fallen in love with this podcast. I've been loving the reviews and the DMs that you guys send me. It just feels really good to know that, you know, our episodes are doing something for you, whether that be entertainment, whether that be a resource on, you know, choosing a specialty or choosing a med school, whatever. It just really fills my heart with joy knowing that there is even one person out there that likes listening to me, you know, flap my fuck. I don't, (laughs) I don't know. What's that saying where people just talk a lot? I don't know. I'm whatever. I am just really thankful to have you guys here. Um, by the time you'll be listening to this, it will literally be May. I do not understand how we are five months into 2021. And then June will be halfway through the year. It's literally just mind boggling. But on the bright side, at least, you know, having an episode where I'm chatting with you on the first of the, I guess, the first week of every month, it's better than rent. At least you don't have to pay me for this. (laughs) Anyway, um, this is also going to be the last episode of season two, which I don't know how the time has passed so quickly that we're already through a full season of me being a co-host on this. I mean, I've really loved working with Avi, Aaliyah, and especially Sai. I mean, this team is just really wonderful, and I think that this podcast has substantially contributed to my growth. Anyway, um, oh, so we're going to be taking a few months to kind of regroup, plan for season three, and make sure that you guys are always getting quality content that you deserve. Also, Aaliyah starts her residency in June, so please send her some love. She is doing pediatrics and I'm super, super excited and proud of her. So, okay, let's give a little bit of a life update with what is going on with me. I am now in my family medicine rotation. I just finished my second week of family medicine and it has been a journey and I can't wait to kind of tell you guys all about it. Um, so, A lot of questions that I get are like, how do I eat on rotations? And it kind of just depends. Like, for example, this morning, I literally had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a yogurt. And that's just kind of where I'm at right now. But on a day to day, I like really love using HelloFresh. This isn't sponsored. Um, I pay for it. It is 10 out of 10, one of my favorite um, just ways to cook. But I will say that it does get kind of expensive if you don't already eat out. So if you're eating out a lot and you want to cut back on that, you want to save some money, I would recommend looking into HelloFresh. But if you're disciplined and if you're buying groceries and, you know, you're being really smart about your money and smart about your shopping, I probably wouldn't recommend this service to you because it's just more expensive. Unless you just want to try new things. You're kind of having like a mind recipe block or, you know... I don't know, some, you're just needing inspiration or something like that. That's when I would totally recommend. Um, I've also, oh my gosh, I don't know if you guys have Apple watches or not, but I am addicted to closing my Apple watch rings. And today is April 30th, which marks 30 days of me closing my rings straight. It'll be my first perfect month ever. I've never worked out this consistently. And I think it's because, well, one, my friend, uh, challenged me to this little competition and I don't like to lose and two it just I feel so much better after moving my body getting a little sweat on and there are of course days where I hate it I just don't want to do anything and the workout isn't really slapping for me those are kind of the worst days let me know if you ever have those gym days it's like I'm trying to do something nice for my body and I'm just not enjoying this the workout's not doing it for me I'm tired I want to sleep I want to go home 
but then you do it, your discipline kicks in and then you feel good after. So if you have an Apple watch and you want to be fitness buddies, send me a DM. I'd be happy. I'd actually be ecstatic to add you, but you have to be active because I always remove people who add me, but don't, you know, get moving. I need, I'm here for motivation and you can't be a little couch potato and motivate me because I will couch potato too. Um, okay. So another thing going on with me, I recently kind of splurged on Paula's Choice skincare. It is a brand that my friend recommended and she's got porcelain perfect skin <laughs> and I just don't I my skin didn't really start clearing up until I started getting on birth control and I'm super thankful for that um but I've been using this daily 2% BHA exfoliative toner thing and my skin is really loving it I mean I'm glowing I'm waking up getting compliments I'm looking good honey I'm killing it so that is kind of kind of what's going on with that some people ask about my skincare I know some of y'all don't really give a crap but I like to share because someone could be listening and I would sign up with the email because I think you get like 15 or 20 percent off your first purchase also not sponsored this is just something that I like um okay so two weekends ago when I finished up my psych rotation I had some friends come into town. They came to Nashville for the first time and they had a really good time. I had a really good time. My liver had a hard time, <laughs> but it was a really, really, really fun country filled just time. And I'm not a big fan of country music, but I do think that Nashville is a place worth visiting, even just for a weekend, just to get the experience. It's not, you know, what everybody expects. And then they get here and they're kind of surprised and they, you know, don't want to leave or they want to add it to their next travel destination. So look into it. It's not too expensive. It's a very friendly city. Everyone is really friendly and comfortable. And I'd be happy to send you recommendations. Um, okay, let's see what else is going on with me. Oh, organization. I have been a really organized bits lately, and I can attribute a lot of that to using Google Calendar. So I've never been a big calendar person. I was into using like the passion planners and, you know, planning that way, but I just kind of fell off the wagon. I stopped using it. If you don't have a pen or if you're kind of like mildly anal and meticulous about how your notes look and how your handwriting looks and like whether the pens are pretty and like it's perfect. It's just tough to make it perfect all the time. And I'm spending more time planning to do the things that I need to do than like just doing them. That's a whole other story in itself. Google Calendar. I really like Google Calendar because one, you can merge it with, you know, your personal calendar. I personally have an iPhone and it merges with my calendar. Not sure for my Android peeps, but I'm like pretty sure that that exists. Um, and it's just, you can change the color scheme. It's really fun. You can send the reminders. And that's been helping me a lot to kind of stay on top of my crazy, not so crazy life. So uh, also, I don't know if you guys have been hearing the pots and pans that I've been like clanking in the background, but my boyfriend is trying to make us lunch right now. And he just doesn't quite know how to do anything quietly, whether it's, you know, cleaning or cooking or just existing. There's not much silence. So I'm not complaining because he's doing them and it makes my life tremendously easier. And I'm super thankful for you. But sometimes it's like just for a second, could you just shh? just a smidge um anyway 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 I uh, know that you guys are here to hear about my family medicine rotation so let's kind of get to it 
Family medicine is definitely, definitely a different experience from psych. And the only thing that really kind of threw me for a loop was that my first week I was on what's called inpatient service for family medicine. So like I mentioned in the last episode, and if you want to hear more about it, feel free to listen. Um, the hours were, you know, pretty much 8 a.m. to like 11.30 to noon. And then, you know, they would kind of let us leave. But family medicine is just a smidge different. So the way that my school is doing it is we are on family medicine for four weeks. And one of those weeks is done in the inpatient, you know, part of the hospital. And then another portion, the other three weeks is done in the outpatient clinic. And uh, I got thrown from, uh, you know, an eight to 12 easy schedule. They, I didn't even realize they called it psychcation, like, because <laughs> it's the vacation of the rotate. I didn't know that was a thing. But Family medicine is supposed to be like the next step up in terms of difficulty, in terms of scheduling, stuff like that. So I got thrown from 8 a.m. to noon into, hey, you have to wake up and you have to be here by 6 a.m. and you're going to be here until 2. And luckily, you know, leaving at 2, you still have the rest of the day. Um, I prefer the morning shift, or at least I thought I preferred the morning shift until I started this um, inpatient experience. So... I had uh, my last day of psychiatry on like a Thursday and then I started family medicine on Monday and I had to wake up at like 4.15 um, to get, you know, myself together, pack my lunch, get my clothes ready to get inside of the call room by 6 a.m. I thought I was a morning person, but I think it really turns out that I am a morning person like after five and like five is even really kind of pushing it for me. But I digress. That's a whole nother story. So those were the hours for inpatient, six to two. And my first day, I walked in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, like, super excited and didn't know what to expect, right? So also a little disclaimer, I am not here to, you know, talk bad about anybody, to bash anyone, to bash family medicine. I'm just, you know, talking about my personal experience, um on the floor so I get there on my first day I think I you know come in like five minutes early because if you're not early you're late um if you're late it's unacceptable I don't know my dad always says this thing um you should just be a couple minutes early wherever you go all the time so I show up a couple minutes early like I walk into the call room and I'm like hi like good morning I'm a med student it's my first day tell me where I could be helpful right because I'm just ready to hit the ground running Literally no one acknowledges me. There's like four, <laughs> there are four residents sitting in the room. Nobody really says anything. Nobody turns around. They're all like sitting on their computer, sitting on their desk. And I mean, immediately my excitement just kind of like poofs right out of the window. And I was partnered with one of my classmates and he seems to be, you know, not really phased by anything, which is something I could probably work on. But he, <laughs> I don't even know if he noticed or if he was uncomfortable or anything, but I was like, what the heck? Like, you can't even say good morning or hi or like, hey, like I'm busy. I'll be with you in a second. Like not even that. And it just really set, you know, a negative tone for how I thought the rest of the week was going to go. So uh, after that, like I realized that two of the residents had been on like a 24 hour shift and they were ready to go home and two of them had just gotten there and there's like a bunch of patients and they're stressed and that's fine. I totally, totally 110% completely understand being stressed out, but I don't think that it's fair to, you know, make a med student feel like they're not welcome or 
belong in a place where we're kind of required to be. Um, you know, like we're here to learn. We're here to get the most out of this experience to see if this is a field of medicine that we're interested in, um, just to kind of test our boundaries of our knowledge and to cram our brains with all this cool patient information stuff. So I was just feeling really like mopey the rest of the day. I was like, oh my gosh, they don't like me. They don't want me here. Why do I have to be stuck here for, you know, seven more hours? Um, but whatever. So that happened. And every morning we, they would go through like the patient list. So they would print us all off, um, a list of all the patients that had either been admitted or had still been, you know, on the unit admitted to a room and they would go through them. They would talk about, you know, what happened to the patients overnight, what the nurses said, their updates, just any, you know, pertinent information to their condition and what was going on. And they told us to, you know, pick a patient that we could see. And so I said, okay, I chose some random lady on the list. I think um, they might have had like COPD or something like that. Um, it's just something easy that I could kind of ease my way in. Um, I didn't want to, you know, go with a patient who had heart failure because looking back to the cardiology unit that I had, I just don't remember anything. If you guys have been following me on Instagram for a while, that is the first um, unit in medical school that I failed and had to remediate for. So that coupled with cardiology is hard. I struggle reading EKGs. I like only know like enough to pass a test, but not enough to talk to a patient about what they're experiencing. So I try to stay away from that. And I chose COPD, right? So we all break, like they tell us where to go. And we don't really get much instruction. They're just kind of like, all right, the patient is in this room. Talk to them, do the interview, and we'll meet you like to have our big meeting. Um, like, so I guess what we were doing was pre-rounding and then the physician would come and meet with us and, um, they talk with us and then we'd go and round with the physician, just me and my partner, the med student, or I guess the other med student. So I'm on the inside one, I walk in, nobody really says hi to me. I don't know what to expect Two, they're like, okay, pick a patient, go to a room, do a physical full H and P H and P stands for history and physical. If you're not, you know, in the medical field. And I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I find the patient's room and I knock and she's sleeping and it's like seven o'clock in the morning. Um, so I leave, I go and like look at her labs on the computer and my login isn't working. So I have to ask one of the nurses like, hey, can I um, look up a patient on this? And the nurse gives me an attitude. It's 7 a.m. Nobody is like in the mood to deal with my I don't know anything today. So it's just it just became a lot more stressful than I think it needed to be. But then I went into the patient's room. I like totally blanked. I listened to their heart and lungs. I checked their pulses. I think I asked like, are you having a cough? <laughs> so a patient that so if you don't know what COPD is, it stands for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And it's really common in older patients who were smokers um, or chronic smokers. And of course, like, of course, she has a cough. Of course, she's producing phlegm. Of course, she's, you know, hacking up sputum every hour. Of course, she can't breathe. She doesn't want to talk to me. So I just I'm in there for maybe like four minutes and then I scurry out. 
And one of the residents kind of decided to take me under their wing. I'm super, super, super thankful. Actually, there were two really, really awesome residents that wanted to make sure that I was learning and had a good time. So I doubt that they'll find this podcast. But if they do, shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. You totally changed my entire perspective on inpatient family medicine. Anyway, I think that my problem was... Okay, wait, no, I'm bouncing around. I did this in the last episode. I apologize. So after, you know, I spend the four or five minutes in the patient's room, I leave and go to the room that they told us to meet in to do, you know, the rounding with the attending. So the attending sits down and is like, okay, so present this patient to me. One, I've never presented a patient um, the way, at least not in, you know, a more medicine setting. In psychiatry, presenting a patient is a little bit different because we already kind of know their psychiatric illness and they've already figured out a plan. We don't have to do a physical on them. We don't even take a full history. We just do like a daily psychiatric evaluation. So presenting like, hi, like this patient um, has a history of schizophrenia. Today they're experiencing auditory hallucinations, no suicidal ideations, and they're not thinking about killing anyone known as a homicidal ideation. In family medicine, you have to talk about their labs. You have to talk about a problem list, like all of the things that the patient is kind of having the most trouble with, um, which I'll get into an example of that in a little bit. You have to, uh, you know, come up with a plan on like how you're going to treat them and like what adverse effects could happen from the treatment plan and like a bunch of different things that I definitely wasn't prepared for. So in the middle of the presentation, I'm like, um, I... I I don't know what <laughs> like what to say. I I've never presented a patient before and uh, the attending was nice about it but was, you know, running through all the things that I needed to cover and then after it was like, "Okay, so since I just walked you through all of this, what presented the right way?" And I'm like, "I still don't know what I'm doing. Why do you have me on the spot like this?" So one of the residents kind of comes to my rescue and is like, "Hey, like it's just our first day." Um we'll work on her presenting and maybe you should move on like to the next person. And the doctor's like, okay, fine, whatever. So I'm sitting here, tears are welling in the bottoms of my eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really messing this up. I'm going to get a poor evaluation. Everybody's going to think I'm dumb. (laughs) Everybody's going to think I don't know anything. And I just had a horrible, horrible day. (laughs) The rest of the day was kind of like that. Um, I went and I, you know, had my little lunch by myself and then I went home and didn't do anything the rest of the day. Another thing about waking up for the really early shifts is even though you're off at two, like you're kind of exhausted by the end of the day. And I don't know if it's because I'm spoiled because I'm literally leaving from an eight to 12 to, you know, six to two, but I was just totally exhausted. All I wanted to do when I got home was eat and get in the bed. I didn't want to work out. I didn't want to study. I really didn't want to study. (laughs) Um, And so like the first couple days, I just cut myself some slack. So fast forward to a few days later, um, I kind of got good at presenting patients and, you know, doing my thing. And the attending was really impressed. I was going home. I was studying, you know, what I didn't know that day and... Yeah, that was essentially my week. I ended up getting a stomach bug and I had to leave one of the days and like I was throwing up and then the next day I caught a cold. And I think it's just from, you know, one, the pandemic. I hadn't gone anywhere in a year. 
Um, so when I got into a hospital, you know, full of sick patients, my immune system is like, whoa, 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 baby, what are we doing? What are we, what are we doing here? I can't, I can't fight this and you're stressed and you're tired. So we're going to get sick. So I got sick three times in a week. It was just, it was really tough, but I made it through. I had a Saturday. The Saturday was the last day that was done with it. I literally could not wait to be finished with inpatient. I could not wait to be finished. And I think a big part of that is just the hospital and the inpatient setting is more of the debilitating illnesses and diseases. And that's just not really something that is easy to walk away from and like bounce from patient room to patient room. And I understand that the residents are probably kind of accustomed to it. They've, you know, experienced it a lot. They've done it for a long time, but it's, you know, seeing a patient with lung cancer crying about not being able to go home and not being able to see their children is really upsetting. And it's kind of hard for me to shake, you know, other people's emotions off if I know that they're having a hard time and like there's nothing that they can do about it. And the doctors have exhausted, you know, all their resources, all their efforts and their patient is just kind of stuck. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's really, really tough. Um, so I think I covered everything that went on in inpatient. Luckily, at the end of it, I got, you know, all my ducks in a row, the attending, I mean, the resident, I think, wrote me a nice review. So hopefully I'll be able to read it by the end of this rotation. So now let's talk about the outpatient experience, which I've been on for one week and which I totally love. So outpatient. Oh, I also. Hmm. OK, no, never mind. So outpatient the type of illnesses that we typically see or like the appointments are mostly follow-ups, uh, medication refills. Um, the patients usually have hypertension, diabetes, obesity, um, are coming for STD screenings or arthritis. Um, I've gotten a couple of patients that have GERD and GERD is, um, oh gosh, what does it stand for? Gastroesophageal reflux disease, I think. If I'm wrong, let me know. But it's basically um, when you get heartburn all the time and like your acid you know, moves up into your esophagus, causes irritation, things like that. So it's easier to kind of deal with these kind of comorbidities um, from like a treatment standpoint, because I feel like there is more that can be done. Um, the patient, you know, has to work with you and stuff, but it has been pretty good. The hours for inpatient, I mean, the hours for outpatient are, I show up at like 7.45 every day and we're there from 8 to 4, sometimes 4.30, depending on whose service you're on. I've also learned that there is definitely a distinct difference between attendings, you know, prep, preparation. What am I trying to say? Preference on how the days kind of flow. I have one attending who's like, listen, I'm here at 8 and I'm out at 4. I'm taking my lunch break at 12. If the patient isn't here... 30 minutes after their appointment time, I'm not seeing them, you don't respect my time, or you don't call, you don't, you know, anything, fine, good, I'm out, great. I have another attending who's kind of like, oh no, like, you showed up an hour late, and I know you couldn't get here because of the bus, and, you know, I know there's just a lot of things going on, so come on, I'll see you, which I also think is really awesome. I'm trying to find a balance. Oh yeah, the downside of that, though, is, you know, they can be in the clinic until like four, I mean, <laughs> until like five, five thirty when, you know, the scheduled hours are eight to four. So 
it just kind of depends on what you're doing, what you care about for your patients, and kind of, I guess, what you've got going on that day. Because everybody just kind of seems to have their own flow, their own style, their own preference. And both of them seem to be working fine. They both have really good relationships with their patients. They both, you know, really care about what's going on with them, which is just, it's kind of, it's rewarding to see. Everyone says hi to me. Everyone's friendly. You know, they tell us, take a break if we need a break, take a lap if we need a lap. If the time, if the lunchtime has run over, they're like, why are you still here? We're not paying you. <laughs> Please leave. So I grab my little books. I grab my lunchbox and I skedaddle. I'm not going to ask you twice if you need help with something because the third time you might, you'll probably say yes. And I'm really only asking to be polite if we're being real. <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope nobody, um, don't be like me. Don't be like me. Be better than me. So the hours are pretty good. Um, I see, I get to do a lot of the patient interactions on my own. So the way that it kind of works is we have the schedules and the um, EHR records on our computers and we're able to see, you know, when patients are checked in, when their vitals are done. So after the nurses, you know, check them into a room, take their blood pressure, temperature, heart rate, stuff like that. Um, they set them in a room and then we get to go. So what I like to do is I'll read the previous note or two from their last couple of visits to kind of get a bigger picture to see what's going on with them before I go into their room because I have learned that there's nothing worse than a patient having to consistently repeat what's going on with them, what's wrong with them, what medications they're taking because it just feels like no one's listening to you. There's no communication between the team. And it's frustrating, especially if, you know, you're tired, you've got some illness that's making you not feel so hot. I don't want to keep repeating myself. And that is completely, completely understandable. So I usually get in a room. I do the basics. So after I look at their files, I'll try and take a focused um, history and Then I'll do like a more general review of systems to make sure that nothing else has come up in the meantime or like that they're not dealing with something that they just forgot to mention because I don't, I personally don't like to go to the doctor a bunch of times for multiple different things. If I'm going to go, I want to get all my concerns addressed in one visit. And I know sometimes it's not possible, but it is really nice when we can, you know, treat patients and treat more than one of the issues that they're coming in with um, so that they don't have to go see a specialist or, you know, do whatever else and come back to the hospital more than they need to. So I get in the room, I take a focus history. I'll usually, the basics that I do are heart, lungs, abdominal, and a cranial nerve exam. Um, I'll also check the strength and reflexes just to be sure. Those are really safe. I think if you do that with every patient, um, you'll be in like a pretty safe zone. Um, You'll cover most of the big parts and also understand that it's okay to not know what you're listening for, but you do have to be, you know, honest with the resident and with the attending when you tell them, because if you say, oh yeah, you know, their heart and lungs sounded great. They sounded perfect. Their breathing was fine. Um, And then, you know, the doctor trusts that you know what you're listening for, but the patient really has wheezing and rails and ronchi and their rate and rhythm is abnormal. That's something that could really affect their health. So you have to speak up when you don't know something and you also need to, you know, let them know that you're still learning. And even though you didn't know today, you'll look it up and you'll check. That's something that I have really learned to be helpful. If you don't know, tell them you don't know. They'll stop pimping you, but you need to know the next day because they will probably ask you, 
or expect you to bring it up. I've been told that, you know, it's impressive that they didn't have to come back and ask me if I studied what we discussed the previous day and I just came and I had all the fresh knowledge in my head. So anytime you can, I would recommend just spending like 30 to 40 minutes a night reviewing the cases that you did that day, um, reviewing like what you weren't entirely sure of. And if you need more time, spend more than 30 minutes. But I like to kind of cap myself because I will go into, you know, the spiral of uh, going into the wormhole and like going off the symptoms and then going into the drugs and then going into like the adverse effects of the drugs and then like what you can't mix those drugs with. So just, you know, try and focus on one thing at a time because it's very easy to get overwhelmed in family medicine. That's another thing that I want to mention. The difference um, between my psychiatric and family rotations are the studying because Family medicine encompasses essentially all things. And I've asked, you know, multiple residents and um, doctors, what's the difference between family and internal medicine? And a lot of them are just saying the real difference is the age group. So internists um, don't really see pediatric cases, um, but family medicine does. And then other than that, they're kind of both all encompassing. So it can feel a little overwhelming because you can see so many different things from so many different sides of the spectrum. And that's something that I was comfortable in psych because there's only so many psychiatric disorders, right? And there's only so many psychiatric drugs and there's only so many treatment options. But when you move into family, it's, you know, head to toe. Something could go wrong and you need to know what's going on and at least have, you know, a baseline or a general understanding of what's happening. If you don't, then you're going to be doing a lot of research. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to feel like you don't know anything. And that is a really horrible feeling. So one step at a time is what I would recommend you do for that. Um, so how am I studying for this? I get a couple of questions about this um, every rotation too. So the weird thing between psych and family medicine is psych, we were using the NBME exam for ourselves, But for family medicine, I don't really know what happened, but we're not taking the NBME style. We're taking like the aquifer cases one. I don't know if you're familiar with aquifer, but one of my friends was telling me, if you're using aquifer, um, what are your thoughts about it and why don't you like it? And I just think that's hilarious because it's nothing but, you know, reading cases all day and it's not as helpful as, you know, doing practice questions or I don't know. It's just a different way of learning. So having to base my entire learning off of patient aquifer cases is not necessarily as ideal. I'm feeling a little bit less motivated to, you know, do each of the, like, because it's hard to just pick something to study when you see everything. As with psych, you know, you can just say, okay, I'm going to cover these five um, disorders today. But family, you can't really just cover five disorders because they all mesh into each other. And at least for me, you could be listening to this and being like, girl, what are you talking about? That is totally not my experience. And if it is, then please let me know. Reach out to me. I want to hear about, you know, how it's going for you. So I've been feeling a little less motivated. Hopefully I'll get myself together this weekend and am able to kind of recoup and, you know, get my life together because I would like to get an A. It'd be ideal to get an A on the shelf. Um, I'm really trying to bust my butt because my... M1 and M2 GPA is not that strong. Um, and I'd really like to, you know, prove myself to myself, prove my abilities to myself 
and you know it just feels good getting something or having something come to fruition that you've worked so hard for so fingers crossed for me say send up a little prayer um so I don't know if I see a future for myself in family medicine um I think I have a lot more to learn I've still got two more weeks of outpatient which I'm excited about um, I am learning a lot. These doctors are geniuses, all of them. They know so much about everything and they're so willing to help me. Like the residents, I'm just having such a polar opposite experience because everyone, you know, in the clinic that I'm in now has been eager to teach me things and eager for me to learn and like really proud of me when I get something right. So it feels good to be in a space where I feel valued for lack of a better term, and, like, appreciated. I mean, I'm not, you know, trying to walk in feeling entitled, like, you need to treat me nice, and you need to do this and this and this, but I do know that there is a significant difference in my performance um, just based on, you know, how people interact with me and how people kind of treat me. So I plan on writing a lengthy evaluation at the end of this. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm snitching. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't know if I see a family, family, if I see a future for myself in family medicine. So I will let you guys know, probably on Instagram, I plan on doing um, an update, an updated post on like how the last couple weeks have been. And it'll kind of go along with this episode. So feel free to follow me on paging Dr. Bryant. Um, oh my gosh, I just realized I didn't like reintroduce myself at the beginning of this podcast, but whatever. It's Alana, if you're still listening and you're new here. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. So I think that's kind of everything that I've got to chat about for family medicine. Um, I would highly recommend, you know, using Amboss. What I've decided to do is every day that I have a patient and every aquifer case that I do, I'll try to match up, you know, the cases to what I study that day. So I'll set a set of practice questions for diabetes. I'll do a set of practice questions for asthma, um, arthritis, things like that. And I'm just, that's how I'm going to study. And hopefully it works out for me. I'll update you guys on the next one. My psych um, exam, still don't have my grade back, but I did feel pretty good leaving it. It was a tough test. Lots of neurology. Don't underestimate the psych shelf. Um, so I'll keep you guys posted on the family medicine one. So uh, thank you guys for listening and listening to me blurb. You know that I love having you guys here on the podcast. I love chatting with you. I love your responses to me. You have no idea how much it means when you guys reach out to me personally and, you know, tell me that you love it. Tell me that it's helping you and also some feedback. If there's something that you want me to talk about or something I'm talking about too much, let me know. And I'd be happy, you know, to make a couple tweaks for season three. Um, a couple little reflections are one, podcasting has become more easy and natural and feels more storytelling. Um, so if you're interested in starting a podcast, I would highly recommend just being yourself, taking your time. Because my first couple episodes were a struggle. I felt like I was trying to, you know, be impressive and, you know, talk about all these things, but it didn't come natural and it wasn't as fun. So I'm really, really thankful for the space that I'm in. I'm grateful for the opportunities with, you know, snappier residents and really friendly residents because it just helps me to establish the kind of care that I want to give to my patients, the kind of care that I want to give to my medical students 
and just all people, just treating people with utmost respect and happiness. So I'm going to go because the orange chicken that my boyfriend is making is almost done. And I'm going to try and enjoy the rest of my Friday and get a little studying in. Please give me a follow on Instagram, send me a DM, anything to let me know that you guys are enjoying this or any feedback that you have for our improvement. Thank you again for listening in and following the Brown Girl White Coat Pod. We love, 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 love having you here and see you in season three. Bye.